Turn with me, if you will, to the book of John, the Gospel of John. I'm going to turn to the 11th chapter. I'm going to read two verses there, the 21st and 22nd. John chapter 11, verses 21 and 22. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know, even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. I want to borrow a couple of um, phrases that Martha used, put them together, and preach on that a little while today. I want to preach about even now. I know. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for its power. Thank you for your spirit in this service today. I pray you'd accomplish your purpose, that you'd do your work, that you'd touch lives and hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you. Please be seated. She sent uh, him a simple message. She knew that there was no need to give a lot of details because Martha knew that Jesus loved them. We're not, we're not sure of the connection between the Lord and Martha and Mary and Lazarus, two sisters and a brother. There are those who believe they were kin, that they were cousins, uh, much as many believe that John and James were first cousins of Jesus. But we don't really know. We do know this, that Jesus had a special relationship. He, he, he was connected with this, this family in a very special way. They hosted Jesus many times. He stayed at their home. At least one occasion, they hosted an important uh, dinner that was in Jesus' honor. It was a very special time. The gospel writer John, who, of course, personally knew all of these people, he makes it very clear in the fourth verse of the 11th chapter, now Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, their brother. That settles the issue. He loved them. This is why when Lazarus fell grievously ill and Martha sent her message to Jesus, she didn't ask him to come and heal her brother. She didn't even describe the seriousness of the illness because she knew that Jesus loved them. All she said was, Lord... He whom thou lovest is ill. And she had every confidence that that's all that was necessary. If Jesus knows we're in trouble, he's going to come help us. She was, she was convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that all she had to do was let him know we need you and he will come and help us. Let me tell you, God delights in responding to the needs of his people. 
the folks God loves, God enjoys giving them his blessing and showing them his love. Now, when Martha's message arrived, Jesus was on the other side of the Jordan River. When he heard what Martha had to say, he responded in a way that was, I think, unexpected. Unexpected to his disciples and obviously unexpected by Martha. Because when Jesus got the message, Lazarus is sick, Martha was convinced he would drop everything and come. But he did not come. In fact, the Bible says very specifically that he stayed where he was for two more days. In fact, of course, Jesus being who he was, he seems to have waited there until Lazarus died. Then he announced to his disciples that Lazarus is asleep and I am going to wake him up. Now, they'd already heard when Jesus got the message, he evidently read it to his disciples and he said, Lazarus' sickness is not unto death, but it is that the glory of God might be manifest. So we should... We shouldn't be surprised that they misunderstood when Jesus said, Lazarus is asleep and I'm going to wake him up. They thought he meant really asleep. And they answered like this. They said, well, that's good. That's good. If he's able to get some rest, he'll do better. And I'm glad to hear he's asleep. And all all that's good. And Jesus then made it very clear. He said, Lazarus is dead. Now, Jesus was on the other side of the Jordan for a very special reason. He wasn't there uh, hiding out. He was deliberately outside the jurisdiction of the religious leaders in Jerusalem and the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem for a reason. He knew, the Bible tells us, that they were seeking him to kill him. And of course, he knew that they would be successful. He knew the cross was looming. He was only a few weeks away from from Calvary. And he knew that, and he was waiting, if you will, on the other side of the Jordan. Jesus wasn't hiding out. He wasn't afraid of what was coming. Now, he was going to pray in the garden a few weeks away, Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. He didn't embrace the idea of the anguish of the cross, of the excruciating pain that he would suffer. He wasn't looking forward to it as a human being, as a man. But he did pray, nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours. The eternal cause of Calvary was more important than the suffering that Jesus saw coming his way. He's hiding out, if you will, on the other side of Jordan, not to escape the cross, but because the timing of the cross was important. He was to be the Passover lamb sacrificed for us. 
connecting him forever to God, delivering his children from the bondage of Egypt. And so it had to happen at Passover. And so Jesus is waiting on the other side of the Jordan to come back at the right time so that scripture would be fulfilled. So he tells the disciples, Lazarus is dead. And then he speaks words that are chilling in their effect. He says, Lazarus is dead. This is his best friend. This is someone that he loves, Lazarus and his two sisters, and he cares about them deeply. And yet he says, Lazarus is dead And I am glad. How can it be that a loving Savior, a God who cares about these three people, could look at his disciples and say, Lazarus is dead and I am glad. He finishes the thought and explains what he's saying. He says, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the end that you may believe. Jesus knows those disciples are about to go through the darkest experience of their lives. And their faith is going to be challenged. So he's going to give them an experience through the death of his best friend. That when it's time and Jesus himself is lying in a grave. That they'll be able to say if he can raise Lazarus from the dead. Then he has power over death, hell, and the grave. And if he can do that, then hope is not over. He can rise again from the grave. Now here's the thing you and I need to remember about this story. We know the end of it. But the people who lived it did not know how it would end. For Mary and Martha and the dying Lazarus, they didn't know there was a cause greater than their own suffering. They didn't know that the faith of the men who would turn the world upside down would hang in the balance. And that their trouble would be an inspiration to those apostles and give them faith to make it through what was about to happen in their lives. That the kingdom of God and the future church would depend on their confidence in what Jesus could do and their faith in the risen Savior. They did not know there was a cause, a purpose beyond what they were going through that day. They just had to live through it. As Lazarus struggled and death came nearer, I can't help believe that Martha's eyes turned to the door 
Time after time. I know he'll come. I know he'll come. But he did not come. She had done what she could do. She had got word to Jesus. We need you to help us. But he did not come and help them. As Lazarus sunk and Mary overwhelmed by grief. It fell on Martha's shoulder to care for her brother and her sister. And she desperately hoped he would come. But Jesus did not come. When the death rattle began and Lazarus drew his final breath and died in their home, she kept watching. Surely he'll come. Surely he'll be here. But Jesus did not come. When the word went out and the family and friends gathered with their words of condolence and comfort, she longed to hear one voice and see one face. But he did not come. When it was time for the funeral and the fine eulogies were offered and Lazarus' life was celebrated, she watched the crowd for one face, for one. But he did not come. And when they lined up and began the mournful procession out to the cemetery, she again kept her eyes on the crowd. I sent him word. I told him what was happening. I let him know that we needed him. But Jesus was not there. And when Lazarus was laid in the grave and the tombstone was rolled into place, Jesus still was not there. And when the friends and family were all gone and it was only Mary and Martha alone in that suddenly empty house, she kept watching the door. But Jesus still did not come. Now, I want to take you back to verse 4. Now, Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. You cannot decide whether God loves you or not based on the circumstances of your life. Because you walk through a dark valley, because things have gone wrong, because prayers seemingly go unanswered, because God doesn't seem to care, because God doesn't show up, because the healing doesn't happen, because the deliverance doesn't take place, does not mean God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean God's not working on your behalf. It doesn't mean that God is mad at you, upset at you, that God has cut you off. Realize there could be a purpose beyond what's happening today and God's love is forever constant he loves you when the sun is shining he loves you when the clouds have come he loves you when things are going good and he loves
loves you when things are bad. He loves you when the healing happens. He loves you when it doesn't happen. His love is not at issue here. I'm preaching to somebody right now. The devil has told you that God doesn't love you, but it's a lie. It doesn't matter what is happening. Jesus loves you. No, you haven't got it yet. You can't say this wouldn't happen if God doesn't love me. He loves you in spite of what's happened. You can't say if God loved me, this would never take place. He loves you. But there are things behind the scenes that we may not understand. We have to accept that he loves us and he chooses what's best for us. Regardless of today now let me tell you about Martha Martha Martha's a Martha's a blunt person to put it mildly Martha says what she thinks she lets you know where she stands one of our first glimpses of Martha is that one of those very special dinners that she and her sister and brother are hosting that Jesus is the guest of honor and there are some there are some Pharisees and other guests that that Jesus wanted to connect with and and and, and our first look at Martha is is she comes she comes barreling out of the kitchen hair every which way sweat dripping off her nose and she goes up to Jesus. Now, this is kind of a fancy deal. And it's in her home, and she's worked so hard, but she's beside herself. And she rushes up to Jesus and says, See Mary sitting there? You see Mary? She won't help me. Now, Jesus, tell Mary to get up and help me, or there ain't going to be no supper here tonight. Now, that's Martha. That's Martha. But let's don't sell Martha short. She has sent a message to Jesus that he ignores. There is no response. He doesn't send word back, I'll get there, I'm running a little late. He doesn't do anything. He just doesn't answer at all. Now Martha, for whatever failings she may have had, there's one thing about Martha. She believed in Jesus. She knew who he was. She knew what he could do. And she did not lose that faith. She knows he's coming. He's late, but he'll get here. We've already had the funeral. My brother's been dead nearly four days. It's, always, it's already too late, but he'll get here. And when he gets here, I've got something to say to him. Now that's Martha. And she, I think, posts people to watch. You see him come up the road, you come tell me. She's staying, staying in the house with Mary. Mary is the emotional one. And Mary's probably beside herself. And Martha's trying to help her through. But somebody comes in and says, Martha, he's coming. He's up the road, right up the road. Him and all of his disciples. <laughs> and Martha tells Mary, I'll be right back. 
She doesn't wait till Jesus comes in the gate, up the walk, up on the porch, knocks on the... Nah, nah, that's not Martha. Martha leaves that house. She flies out the front door. She walks across that porch. She hurries up the gate, up the path to the gate. She gets in the road and she goes to meet Jesus in the road in front of the house. Now, I don't know this is true, but I've always believed Jesus was kind of suppressing a smile when he sees Martha coming because he knows what's fixing to happen. I'm going to get a chewing right here, right now. He can see it in her face. She's got something to say. And she rushes up to Jesus. He doesn't say a word. She doesn't greet him. She doesn't say good to see you. She doesn't ask why didn't you come. The first thing out of her mouth is, this is all your fault. That's what she said. She said, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. If you'd have been on time, if you'd have showed up, I sent you the message, I prayed the prayers, I went to church, I worshipped your name, I did everything your book says, and you didn't come, and because of you, I'm going through this trial. Now I know you're looking at me piously, but let's face the fact. We've all been disappointed We've all wondered what God was up to. We've all prayed prayers that seemingly went unanswered. We've all asked for healings that did not come. We've all been exactly where Martha was. I want to tell you Jesus wasn't offended. He didn't rebuke her. He knew she was hurting. He knew she was confused. He knew she didn't understand. He let her say what she had to say. You're the cause of my pain. But let's don't miss the higher meaning of Martha's words. Yes, there's some anger there. Yes, there's pain underneath. Yes, she's obviously not understanding. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. There's anguish in those words. But isn't there an incredible, sublime faith in those words? Her brother died. But she's saying, if you'd have been here, even death would have had to leave the house. If you'd have been here, there'd have been a miracle here. If you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. You know what that tells me? That tells me all we need to do is get Jesus there. If we can get Jesus there, everything will be all right. You would have been here. My brother would not have died. But then her faith steps up even higher into the stratosphere. She says, but even now, with a new-made grave, with my brother yonder dead for days, even now, I know that you can do anything. We've all had those even now moments, those moments that made no sense. Those moments when God seems a million miles away. 
Those moments when we desperately need him and he seems to ignore our prayers. Those moments that are inexplicable, that there aren't even questions that can frame our confusion. Those moments in life where it just doesn't seem it ought to be this way, but that's the way it is. Those moments when it seems like it's just too late. Nobody can help us now. We'll just have to live with it. We'll just have to deal with it. We'll just have to get used to it. Those even now moments, there's none here today that haven't lived through those moments. Let me tell you how to make it. Let me tell you how to hold on to your faith. Let me tell you how you survive the even now. It isn't what you think that'll see you through. Your opinions will not hold you in the even now moments. It isn't what you've been taught by mom or dad or grandma or grandpa. Their faith cannot hold you in the even now moments. I'll go a step further. It isn't even what good pastor has taught you. If you just learned it with your head, it won't hold you. But let me tell you what will see you through any moment, even an even now moment. It's what you know beyond a shadow of a doubt. What isn't opinion, isn't even faith, isn't even belief, isn't training, but it's something that's got so down in the marrow of your bone that no circumstance, no problem, no trouble can ever take it away from you. I know this. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. We ought to praise him. He come my shahandaya. If you know it, nothing can contradict it. I know it. I know that is real. I know that is true. Then I don't care what the devil does. I don't care what people say. I don't care what prayers seem to be unanswered. I don't care what circumstances come in my life. I know some stuff. And because I know it, I'm going to hold on to what I know to be real. So what do we know? Well, here's some stuff. How about when Brother Job lost everything? Lost his kids, lost his health, lost his wealth, lost his reputation. What did he have to see him through? He said, I know my Redeemer liveth. I know there's a God. He said, I can't find him right now. I look to the front and the back and the right and the left, and I can't find him. But he knows where I am. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in because I know he's alive, and I know I'm going to see him one day. I know. I know, no, it doesn't make any sense, but I know, I know he's alive. And I know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. 
I don't know how to explain this except to tell you that life is filled with confusion and, and complexities and sometimes there is no sense. But one of these days we're going to see it from the other side. And when we see it, God is going to show us. I wove it all together. The good and the bad. I wove the pain and the joy. The tears and the laughter. And I put them together for your good. Oh my shakaya. Oh I feel the Holy Ghost. Here's something else I know. Beloved, it doth not yet appear what we shall be. I can't, people ask me about what's heaven going to be like. We're going to know one another. I don't know. Somebody asked me the other day, is my dog going to be in heaven? I lost my dog. Well, okay. Sure. I believe there'll be dogs in heaven. Why not our dogs? Sinners' dogs ought not be there. It ought to be our dogs. But I don't know. I don't know. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. But this we know. When he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him. Just, I'm going to see Jesus one of these days. I'm going to know him. I don't know about me. But I know about him. He's coming. And I'm going to be like him. I know that in my father's house are many mansions because if it were not so, he would have told us. So I know he has gone to prepare a place for me. And if he has gone, he will come again. I know it. And I know not a cup of cold water given in his name will lose its reward. I know, I know, I know. And what I know will see me through what I don't know, what I cannot comprehend, that God has purposes that I cannot grasp. And sometimes those purposes mean I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But because I know, I will fear no evil because I know you're with me. And your rod and staff comfort me. Finally, Martha began to wind down. Jesus was able to get a word in edgewise. And here's what he said. Martha, your brother is going to live again. Now, even though Martha's faith in Jesus, her confidence in him, Lifted her to the stratosphere of faith to say, even now, I know you can do anything. She did not comprehend, she did not envision that he would resurrect her brother from the dead. It was not a Jewish teaching. She could not have imagined, even though he had raised the widow's son and Jairus' daughter, it escaped Martha's faith that when he said your brother shall live again that he meant now. 
Now, I know that because of her response. When Jesus said, your brother will live again, Martha said, oh, I know. In the resurrection, in the last times, he will live again. And Jesus said, Martha, I am the resurrection. The resurrection's not off out in the future. It's standing in the road right outside your house. I'm telling somebody here today, it's not too late for you. You haven't gone beyond the pale. God's love for you is still constant. I know you've messed up bad. I understand all that. But I'm here to tell you, he's the resurrection. Not just of dead bodies, but of dead lives. He's the resurrection of the hopeless and the helpless. He's the resurrection of the one who feels there's no path back. He's the one who can reach into your life and turn it around forever. He can put your home back together. He can bring hope to any situation. Our God is the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead yet, shall he live. And he that believeth and is alive shall never die. That doesn't mean my flesh won't die, but that means I'm going to live forever because he is the resurrection and the life. I know, she said, you can do anything, but he could do beyond her imagination, beyond what she could even frame with her words. To her, he had disappointed them and let them down because she did not understand there was a higher purpose that governed his steps and he had to let the ones he loved go through pain and loss. But he was there to set the record right, to do what she could not imagine could be done. God is in this service today. He's not here because he had nothing else to do. He's here because we're here with all of our pain and all of our disappointment, all of our hurting and all the mistakes and all the, the myriad of human experiences that are represented in this room today. But I tell you, God's here for that very reason. Where two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in their midst. Why? To show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfectly toward God. If you get your heart turned toward God, anything is possible in this service. There's healing. There's deliverance. Yeah, there's resurrection of a broken, shattered life in this service. Because he is here. Maybe it looks like he's late, but he's here now. Maybe he didn't come at your first prayer, but he's here now. And Martha, if you believe anything is still possible, would you stand with me right now? I do not know the why of what you're going through, but I know it need not be defeat. I know the story need not be ended here. I don't know why. What cosmic cause or godly purpose would put us where we are? But I tell you, this is not an end of anything. 
that beginnings, fresh starts, new beginnings are within our grasp here today. Because Jesus still turns every sunset into a sunrise. And no matter where you've been or what you've done or what has happened or how disappointed you feel, God is ready to demonstrate to you His power and His unfailing love. He asked to go to the tomb. I'm sure they expected that he was there to pay his respects to his best friend. Understand. Again, even though he had told Martha the extent of the possibilities, I am the resurrection. She still didn't get it. She's human. She's like us. So they stand at the grave. And Jesus weeps. Jesus wept. He didn't weep because Lazarus was dead. He was about to fix that. He wept that they had to go through that. That because of a purpose that they could not comprehend. He had to let those he loved suffer for a time. That there was a cause, a real reason. And he was sorry, and so he wept. He wept because of their tears. He wept because of their sense of loneliness and abandonment. He wept because they could not understand why he did not come when they needed him. He wept because he was not there for them. He wept. And then he turned to Martha and said, have them roll back the stone. Now Martha's ever practical. And Martha says, Lord, that's not a good idea. He's been dead for four days. If we roll back that stone, there'll be an odor. People will be offended. It'll be bad. And here's what Jesus said. Now I want you to get this. He said, Martha, you've believed in me. Now, trust me. Turn your faith into action. That's what trust is. That when we keep going, we're doing it because we trust him. That he's going to do what he said. He had already said, I'm the resurrection. He that believeth and is dead shall live. She should have got it, but she didn't because she was human. And Jesus said, do it. Trust me. She turned to the young men and told them to roll back the stone, and they did. And Jesus cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead, still wrapped in the grave clothes, appeared at the mouth of the tomb. And Jesus said, let him go. Take off those grave clothes. He doesn't need them anymore. Now, I don't know the answer that's coming in your situation. 
I don't know what, what plan, what God will do at the end. I do know it'll be for your good. But I don't know what that looks like right now. But I say this, if you'll roll back the stone, if you'll trust Him, I know you believe in Him or you wouldn't be sitting here. But turn your faith into a life action. Roll back the stone. Push away the stone of your despair. Roll back the stone of your pain. Push back the stone of your disappointment, of your loneliness. Push it back. Push back the stone of doubt, fear, depression, confusion. Roll it back. And let's see what God can do in your life today. We don't know the end of that story. We have no other record of Martha's saying anything or Mary saying anything. We don't know what Lazarus said. Because we're meant to finish that story with one image. And that is Jesus conquering, overcoming, defeating the enemy in their life. Would you like him to do that in yours? Whatever you're going through today, whatever you're facing, no matter how, how hopeless it seems, no matter how late it looks like God is, I'm going to inv invite you today to roll back the stone by doing this, by stepping out from where you are and making your way to the front of our building, whoever you are, whether you're a longtime member here or whether you've walked in the door for the first time today, but you want God to show up. And God... To show his love in your life. Will you trust him today by stepping out and making your way to him and say, Jesus, I don't understand all I've been through, but I know you love me and I'm here to trust that love. I'm here to throw myself on your compassion. I'm here to let you call a miracle into my life. Would you press in as close as you can when you're ready? Praise God. Would you press on in, God? So many people are coming. We want room for them to come and receive something from God today. Press in, would you? In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord.